tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. <laughs> it's almost as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about chapters 63 through 65 of Carry On. Chapter 63, Agatha. Penny wakes Agatha up because she has to go to Simon and Agatha's one with the car. And Agatha does not really want to be involved with any of this shit. Chapter 64, Baz. It's the morning after their kiss, their kisses, their kissing. Turns out Baz is the one who called Penny, who is now en route. Sadly, there will not be any more kisses at this exact time because Simon is acting a little suspect about Baz. And like Simon, you had your tongue in this dude's mouth. You crashed on his couch. He could have killed you already. Calm down. (laughs) In the library... Simon tries to call a truce for the duration of their mystery solving and kind of like, you know, forget about the whole mages, air, trying to be kill each other enemies stuff, which is chosen one logic that this shit will work out. Baz does not believe this, but is sidetracked by Simon being excitable about their new frenemies to make out bud status and good old fashioned lust. Chapter 65, Simon. Simon is a little bit too clueless to gloat, but he kind of is about kissing Baz to distraction. Sadly, they are, they are interrupted by the maid and the arrival of both Penny and Agatha. Agatha, who knows nothing of what the fuck is going on, is frustrated, and Simon sort of kind of catches her up on the whole murder, vampire, enemies to frenemies bit, but not the change in his, in his and Baz's relationship status. The four of them spend the afternoon going over the evidence, but have no new breakthroughs. Except Simon finally finds out that Baz was kidnapped all the way at the beginning of this book. Baz thinks it was the mage, which is why he hasn't told them this before. Simon is angry all over again about his not-boyfriend being kidnapped. And Penny is like, duh, the killer did it, not the mage. Which, Penny, you're going to wish you were wrong about this. Yep. All right. Yeah. So before we get into it, reminder to please go leave us a review and that we are spoiling everything through the end of this book, but nothing from the sequels. And with that, we will enter. Easy come, easy go. Easy come. Easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Baz has so many good lines in this chapter. One of them that I love is him just being like, uh, it's not gothic, it's Victorian. And he might as well just would have said plebeian after it or peasant, because that is basically <laughs> what I mentally filled in him saying after that line. Yeah, totally. That is, that is actually, I mean, not the, not the line part, but the house thing is my first note also, because some period of time ago, we discussed the 
what it what it means to be a Victorian home and like the size of Baz's house based on this information. And Catherine on Patreon left a comment with a lot of details about Victorian era manor homes in the UK and that uh, probably Baz's house is in fact big enough to be mistaken for a castle. And so thank you, Catherine. And also through that, I learned that basically, whereas in the US, a Victorian is a style of house. Like if you say I live in a Victorian, it means like the gingerbread and whatever. In the UK, it just means an era. And so the style can be sort of anything that was built within that era of like that architectural era. Which which makes sense considering that how old a lot of buildings in the UK are. <laughs> it just would be yes. like just the time period. <laughs> right. So like <sighs> it could be like a gothic esque, right, style like architecturally, but like gothic I think is also an architectural era too. But so like it's sort of gothic inspired, but it's technically a Victorian because that's when it was built or whatever. So interesting. That's so interesting to think about because I, I don't know if there is necessarily a correlating thing in U.S. architecture styles unless, I mean, I don't know a ton about architecture. I mean, I know a little bit about architecture, but not like in depth. I took a cool class called Monuments and Cultures in the college that I learned a bit about like specifically U.S. architectural styles as a as a segment of that and i feel like i mean everything in the u.s that has a name that like what you would associate with an era you could build a house now and call it like a victorian or like a colonial and it is true because that's the style and it has nothing to do with actually when it was built so i don't feel like i feel like with everything in the u.s it's just like whatever yeah no i was thinking about my favorite style of architecture which is mid-century modern um, which, yeah, I mean, people build truly atrocious mid-century modern inspired housing now all the goddamn time. I don't know. Every time I see a vintage house on like the internet for sale, I'm always just like, I want it. <laughs> it's authentic from the 70s. Anyway. Uh, I think it's your turn. All right. So we get an excellent exchange with Baz and his sister about father christmas which is so hilarious but i wanted to ask you lark if you think that father christmas is a real entity in this magical world because i feel like it could go either way no we know that he's not simon i think it's early in the book says father christmas isn't real but the tooth fairy is you're right that was a whole year ago so that's probably why i don't remember yeah you asking that though did make me think about so like they're celebrating christmas which we also you know talk a lot about on the gaily prophet like that bothers us in the harry potter world but we know for a fact that witches in this book have basically like no association with christianity so are they celebrating a sort of like more like pre a pre-christian idea of christmas that where father christmas is sort of the like pagan nature spirit or whatever that he was before it was co-opted by christianity i would i would believe that 
I would definitely I would definitely believe that and would say that I think yes and it does also seem like they're incorporating some I don't know if non-denominational is maybe the word that I want but like we have like Agatha baking like gingerbread people which isn't I guess as far as I know I did not look this up uh, a thing from Christianity but just a sort of like tradition of Christmas slash Yule somewhere in the world that became a thing that people do and think about which is I mean I guess probably from Western Europe slash America if it's like let's bake this cookie with spices that are from other places anyway so yeah it makes sense to me that there it is some kind of like paganish Yule situation but with some things like right baking Christmas cookies and getting presents so yeah yeah that I think that makes sense especially because they in this world witches are so even even though there are no normal born witches witches are more enmeshed in like normal society in the Simon Snow universe and you know they're doing things like watching Doctor Who and you know participating just sort of more broadly in normal society and so I can see where it's the sort of like you know everything is closed and you know gingerbread cookies are delicious and also you know we have these pagan and therefore relevant to us associations with this time of year anyway so we might as well like celebrate it on the same night that everyone else is doing their things because it's not like there's anything else we can go do yeah so per the end of your chapter recap my my only other thing in this section it says not the mage the murderer why not both dot gif yeah seriously (laughs) really just the i know it's really too early for gifts but this is the most perfect application for that (laughs) truly wait when does this book take place again 2015 there were gifts in 2015 there were gifts earlier than 2015 that's true they weren't as i feel like prolifically yeah used maybe Mm mm-hmm or maybe I just think that 2015 was longer ago than it was. I mean, <laughs> why not both? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I laughed so hard at the bit where Simon is like, okay, but you can't tell everyone that Baz is a vampire. And I got this like, you've been telling everyone he's a vampire since the <laughs> second year. And it's like, it's so good. you can't come back from this side <laughs> I mean, I guess the only good thing is apparently no one believes him but Agatha. So this is also a good way of keeping a secret, which is telling everyone and they're, and everyone doesn't believe you. So then the secret is safe because everyone's like, that's clearly a lie. I know. I think it's so interesting because both Simon and Baz seem to be under the impression that now that Baz has confirmed it with Simon, everyone will suddenly believe Simon. Yeah. And it's like, but why? Why would that be true? <laughs> Like, if Simon was like, no, but he told me, everyone would be like, oh, well, you're probably telling the truth about your arch nemesis. Right. Everyone would be like, oh, he told you and you believed him, Simon. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> that is what that would that's what my response would be. It's like, okay, so your arch nemesis told you he was a vampire and you believed him. All right, I'm just gonna keep eating my scone. You go keep going with that. <laughs> Tell yeah. me how that works out for you. Yep. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouetto of a Man, where we talk about character development. I have Agatha first. I actually also have Agatha first. Cool. What's your first thing about Agatha? Just about how much Agatha does not want to be a part of this magical mystery tour. Uh-huh. She's like, oh, you tell me all these illegal things. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to pretend I wasn't here. We should tell the mage about this stuff. Why do I need to drive you, Penny, halfway across the fucking country at, like, daybreak? Like, what? She's just so over it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I really appreciate that. <laughs> She's like, I didn't ask to be here, you guys. Yeah. You definitely <laughs> should never implicate people in your schemes without their express consent. It's yeah. super rude of Penny. Yeah. Yeah. And at least I would, I would, and I would at least take it a step further for their enthusiastic consent like yeah. if they're not hell yeah let me help you figure out this murder mystery you should tell them if they're like you know what i don't actually want to be implicated in the illegal shit that you guys are doing you could be like cool well you can hang out in the study here are some snacks and some magazines yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to you <laughs> uh in like five hours yeah not that she would eat the snacks nope. because she is resolutely not going to be poisoned by the bitches <laughs> Which makes sense, but is also like, if Penny and Simon are also eating the food and not dying. <laughs> but I appreciate always Agatha's uh, strong self sense of uh, self-preservation. Yeah. I really just love this thing where she's like, just so unnecessarily frustrated by the fact that Penny won't do any like physical... <laughs> She's very, like, mean Jonathan Van Ness in this chapter. (laughs) Yes. Right? She, and like, (laughs) now I just keep, I'm sorry, I just like distracted myself with imagining Jonathan Van Ness coming in and being like, we're just going to take care of your gorgeous little hairs. We're going to take a tiny little baby moment to take care of your beautiful curls. (laughs) And I really, really want that just in general for everyone. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's very, that's the vibe that Agatha has going here where she's just like, there's no excuse for not making your hair as beautiful as it has the potential to be. I literally don't care what product you use. I'm not going to be snobby about it. Just like anything. Yeah, I actually, I actually also love that bit because Agatha is correct. Like a leave-in conditioner or whatever is great for having your hair look good, which doesn't have to be for anyone else, but it's okay to embrace conditioner. My fellow dirtbag. yeah i also really love i love the fact that agatha sort of lists things that are not hair care like explicitly hair care products that you can use 
my mom and my aunt both have like very curly hair and I have witnessed them in public being like it's humid and just like in the bathroom literally putting hand lotion in their hair and I was like yeah that's a thing and like Agatha with her magic or not perfectly straight hair being like I am dedicated enough to like other people taking care of themselves in a way that I value that I've like gone on the internet and done my research about what things Penny could use in her hair. <laughs> I was like, this is an act of friendship that she has uh, done this research. Yeah. Just a, you know, general PSA that uh, hair care is not just for femmes. <laughs> exactly. Taking care of your physical appearance doesn't have to be for other people. Just please, if you're like feeling bad about doing it just imagine Jonathan Van Ness because (laughs) it will be so inspiring for you any night that I'm like too tired to wash my face I literally just imagine Jonathan Van Ness coming into my bathroom and being like this is a moment for you and I'm like okay yes thank you I'm gonna do it I feel like I should do that because I often forget to wash my face I honestly find it to be extremely effective and I know that Evan does the same thing so that's two votes for it so (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Okay. Just some life advice <laughs> from Jonathan Ramos. Slash Agatha. <laughs> Slash Agatha. Um, do you have other stuff about her? I just, I don't know why it's so funny to me that she drives a Volvo, but it is. Like, it's just so hilariously practical. Doesn't that just feel so like doctor's daughter? of a car yeah it's like this is the safest car in the market so this is what you're gonna drive exactly even though it's kind of if your magical car accidents probably aren't on a top list of things you're worried about killing you but yeah all right the last thing i have about agatha is (laughs) how much i value the fact that like her her biggest I know, issue with the fact that Baz was kidnapped is the fact that it happened at the club. <laughs> she is so distraught by this information. I find it hilarious that, of course, they go to the same club. <laughs> same There's only the one club. It's uh, where all the rich mages go, apparently. I feel a little bit like... I feel like Agatha is a little Cordelia-esque. Not... In the sense of the confidence scale of her own head bitch in chargedness, but I feel like she brings sort of that kind of energy to when they're all four of them are like interacting. And I really, I just really appreciate it. I don't know. Yeah, this you were kidnapped at the club feels very like Cordelia. <laughs> yes. um, oh my God, I invited Angel into my car. <laughs> yeah i like it yeah me too all right who do you have next let's do penny i guess yeah so it's like very loaded this is very loaded terminology so i just want to like preempt it by saying that i mean this like lovingly and in a good way but penny is so much in these chapters (laughs) yeah penny's definitely on 10 no well maybe 11 she's she she woke up and was like i feel like everyone is like i haven't had coffee yet and penny is like that friend who's like 
I don't keep coffee in the house. Like, And you're like, what? That's so rude. How dare you let me sleep at your house and not have coffee available? And it's just like, she's just, she's just going. Yeah. And I love her. <laughs> the Her like cycling through when she's trying to get Agatha to take her to Baz's house. What does she say? She's like, it's a surprise. And then she's like, it's an adventure. <laughs> just like... She's like, what what will, what will tempt you enough to get out of bed? And Agatha's like, none of these things. I don't want any of these things. <laughs> like fully forgetting who she's talking to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other piece of that, I feel like we sort of start and end these chapters with a, a similar vibe coming from that. I fucking love it when they're like having the conversation about what like about how they're gonna get information or whatever and then Penny is like I told you your family were betrayers and then it's like Dev told her that because he has a crush on her and then she's like I told you we could use Agatha to seduce people (laughs) she's just like jumping in from the sidelines with these and I just am like my love for her knows no bounds in that moment. <laughs> I'm like, you're fucking incredible. It's like, it is impressive to not be discouraged when everyone's like, no, actually it's a terrible idea to compel vampires or ask Agatha to seduce people for information. And Penny's just like, no, but you see, it comes in handy. Look look at this evidence <laughs> that is popping up. Y'all are not seeing the big picture like I am. It's like yep. everyone seeing the big picture is just very uncomfortable for them. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why they would not have brought Penny to that vampire bar, but they would not have gotten out alive if they would that would be the end of the book which is the three main characters being killed by vampires yep i mean probably not simon would have killed all the vampires but it might have been the three of them like burning to death in a basement full of flaming vampires i don't know what words are but yes i don't know i guess if you're a vampire who also is sort of innately good at fire magic, even though you're flammable, you probably know a lot of spells about ways to avoid and put out fire, I would hope. So they probably wouldn't die. It would just be like, whoops, we accidentally burned down half a block of London (laughs) because Simon is too powerful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It would just be the three of them like in a protective bubble generated (laughs) by Simon and like everything else is just demolished. (laughs) Like yeah. a bomb it went off and it's just like oh no <laughs> yeah. oh we're in so much trouble <laughs> it's a completely different book <laughs> oh. my last thing about penny is she her and also baz just being so exasperated at simon finding out all this information and has never opened a book this entire time. <laughs> like, this is so deeply offensive as as nerds for them. And I'm like, it's just too funny. I really love the friendship that Penny and Baz have developed too. They have so much in common. It makes me kind of sad that they've been estranged from their friendship that they didn't even know they had for all these years. I know. Yeah. Baz is just so excited about 
the columns on the whiteboard and i'm like you're such a fucking nerd are you are you kidding me that is some like nerd level shit that like even i'm just like okay you know if that makes you happy and i don't understand this but i support you it is big earth sign energy is why you don't understand (laughs) that's fair that sounds about right yeah because you or I would never be like, it's important that this line be straight. But Baz and Penny are both like, these columns, should I get out a yardstick? Perhaps. Sorry, meter stick in the UK. Mm-hmm. You know, that means a lot to them. And I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, these are the kind of people that you want in your team when you're trying to organize a lot of untangible evidence. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, Baz? Yeah, I'm like, speaking of that fucking nerd, should, should move on to Baz. Yeah. It does bum me out that in the light of day, Baz is still kind of like, oh, I'm gonna still have to kill you. And I'm like, and I love how Simon is like, but you don't. And I'm like, but you don't have to do that also. Yeah. I know. Uh, so I just, I mean, it's very sad. And I just really appreciate Simon being like, nah, bro, we're not gonna do that. Yeah, I'm just gonna forgive all the other stuff. We just gotta focus on solving your mom's murder and like killing the humdrum, and then the rest of it just water under the bridge. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's my biggest thing too about Baz is like I just want to like reach into the book and just like grab him by the shoulders and be like, just be happy, like. I mean, not like stop being depressed, but like in response to, you know, Simon being like, we're snogging and Baz is like, we snogged. And Simon's like, you slept in my arms. And Baz is like, fitfully, I'll weep over your corpse. And I like, I that's what I mean. I'm just like, stop it. Basilton Grimpitch, you stop it right now. Like, just have this, even if you're worried it might go away. Stop trying to push Simon away. Let yourself be snogging Simon Snow for as long as that can be like an a present tense verb you know right which you are super into and right just enjoy enjoy the gift that has been mutually accepted acceptably given (laughs) yeah it's a top-notch talking day on (laughs) escape from reality yeah i feel like it is the Buffy speak episode of Escape from Reality. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> do you have anything else about Bass? Just when the four of them are talking and Simon is like, no one is, is, is seducing vampires. And like, Bass is like, the fuck? It's <laughs> 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 like, the fuck you are? And I'm like, yes, we offended by this, Simon. Oh, it's incredible. Your relationship is not solidified enough for you to be making these comments yet. (laughs) Everything's still new and tender, dude. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, what a little mini emotional roller coaster Baz goes on in this chapter. In these chapters, I know. Yes, yeah, shall we move on? I have one thing about Simon, which is just that, despite the strides that they are making in their relationship, the mage is still kind of the elephant in the room between them. Still, 
Yeah. And also, I think part of like what is stressing out Baz, where it's like, uh, yeah, you're you're the mage's heir, and the mage has been like trying to fuck up my like family, coming to our house to do raids like twice this month, and it's like, yeah, that's a problem, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and like a kind of understandable thing to be stressed out about on Baz's end. So totally for Simon to be like, oh yeah, I kind of forgot about that. It's like. Simon is, like, estranged from the mage right now, though. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he obviously does not want to tell the mage what's been going on, but, you know, he hasn't, like, renounced the mage, which I think would... Actually, I think probably what would ease Baz's anxiety would be, like, yeah, let's go both kill the mage. (laughs) the (laughs) only thing that he would have been like, great, one less thing for me to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. They're having they're having a Romeo and Juliet situation. <sighs> Do they need a Mercutio in the background just yelling a pox on both your houses? Don't we all? <laughs> Specifically, uh, if Mercutio is the Mercutio from Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, who is? Yeah, I mean that's the only Mercutio I'm thinking about. Uh. Wow, I really wish I could just put that in professional emails. This is my sign off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway. One uh, day. Anyway, yeah, that's all I have for Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up. We get... Agatha is just... I feel like her Cordelia-like sort of unquestioning understanding of what's going on is a real gift of clarity like so we get this line a set of lines right where she says when you're all put on trial before the coven i wasn't here and then i forgot who says we haven't broken any laws and she says oh like that matters and she's unbothered by the fact that that doesn't matter but her unbotheredness is what allows her to like clearly see how corrupt the government is in an unbiased way does that yeah. make sense? No, it does make sense. No, and it's like good for her for someone to have that kind of clarity about it. Yeah, Simon is too naive to realize that that is literally what is happening. Yeah. I think Penny's um allegiances are too torn. Yeah. For her to be totally impartial or whatever about her assessment of what's going on in terms of the the government here. Yeah. God, whenever we get Rainbow Rowell to come on the podcast, add, did you intentionally model Agatha after Cordelia to our list of questions? Someday, someday we're going to figure out how to how to make this happen. Probably, maybe. I, re- I remain hopeful. I think it requires <laughs> action on our part and not just saying it on the podcast. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh!
landslide. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. My first note is the way that Penny and Agatha slept. What in the hetero bullshit? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out because with my brain, I'm like, is it like Penny's has is at one end of the bed and Agatha's at the other end, and then I'm like, is Agatha like laying? like horizontally across the bed and that's why penny is kicking her and it's just like you could have just slept next to each other in the bed like what i know i think i think that that agatha was sleeping at the foot of the bed horizontally which is weird because i feel like most in my experience when people were like having weird like no homo freakouts about sharing beds it was always like we sleep feats that's a it's called sleeping feats so you, your heads are on the opposite ends of the bed which also is fucking bizarre and i right it's like just what are you doing like what are you, what are you doing yeah i know i don't understand i um this girl that i dated in high school was like sort of like recloseted i guess like her family was catholic and she had been found out for dating a girl and then it was like i won't do it again basically and her family was like we believe you but they're like but not enough to trust you with sleepovers and so the the rules are at sleepovers if you sleep in the same bed you have to sleep feet or you can sleep on the basement floor in which case you can sleep in whatever configuration you want and to this day, I think that might be the most baffling, like, parents attempting to make themselves feel okay about a situation that I've ever heard of. So it's like, you know that in both cases, we are still going to be able to make out as much as we want. What, yeah. What is this hoping? <laughs> it's just like, you can't spoon once you're asleep. At least we'll be able to control that, I guess. So ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, definitely some hetero nonsense. Who do you think instigated this as the way that they had to sleep? I don't know. I want to say Agatha, but I'm like, she has so many other normal female friends. I'm like, is that what y'all are doing? Because that seems weird but i also can't imagine penny and carrie either way or really at all so it must have been negative i think so and i think i mean yeah i mean i feel like based on my experience going to sleepovers growing up it was not like weird or uncommon for it to be the case that if you were sharing a bed you had to or felt like you had to sleep like that so it prob yeah probably Agatha is sleeping that way when she has sleepovers with her other friends or else because they're all super wealthy they have like you know a trundle bed or like space in the room for there to be a like yeah. pull away cot or whatever something more comfortable yeah because you can't tell me that someone named Minty isn't extremely wealthy <laughs> oh no I'm under the impression that all of her normal friends are just like right like rich horse girls yeah. Which, I mean, I feel like in general being a horse girl is like, comes with, like, you have to have a lot of class privilege to like, 
own a horse, board a horse, train a horse, go to competitions. Like the, none of these are cheap. No. Hobbies to have. So. Right. Um, I just want to say, I mean, Baz says that it's mor- moronic, which like don't use that word for uh, Simon not to know if he's gay. And I just want to be like, Baz, you're wrong. That's not yeah. at all true. It's fine to not know if you're gay and to just know that you're attracted to the person that you're attracted to. You don't necessarily have to have both at the same time figured out. Yeah, that's definitely the thing, a thing that he should not be stressing out about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's worried about it because he's worried that if if Simon isn't gay, then it means that, like, this isn't going to, like, be a thing. Simon will suddenly realize, like... I'm not gay, and therefore, like, I'm not interested in this thing, even though I thought that I was. I I get why Baz is concerned. I don't like that Baz is like, oh, it makes you in some way, like, foolish because you, like, haven't figured your shit out yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Baz. Sometimes people just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just gotta figure it out. Also, just fuck labels. Feel exactly. like I feel like getting to say I've never thought much about what I am means that you're just like pretty okay with like wherever you end up finding a crush because yeah you know that that I haven't thought about it doesn't like default to straight I think it defaults to bisexual oh yeah totally all right this is my last thing this book is really really fucking good as <laughs> we've said repeatedly I feel like. With chapter 61, we hit just peak. This writing is just impeccable, I guess. And it's continuing here. This line, this section from the beginning of Simon's first chapter. If Penelope were here, I'd tell her she's wrong about me. She thinks I solve everything with my sword, but apparently I can also solve things with my mouth, because so far, every time I lean into Baz, he shuts up and closes his eyes. If Penelope were here, she'd make me explain myself. Thank magic she isn't here yet. It's so good! It's perfect. And that leads me into my rant. (laughs) Because my rant is that, like, I love this book. This is the only Rainbow Rowell book that I like will willingly read again because she's a very mean author. <laughs> like she and I'm going to send you this comic, which listeners, I will describe. <laughs> oh. Right. Yeah. So it's this comic by Sarah Anderson, who is wonderful and probably many of you are familiar with their work. The top is some authors and it's the author saying to a reader, come with me. And there's like cute little sparkles around and it says, let's go on a magical journey. And then on the bottom, it says other authors. And it's just someone with a very maniacal look on their face. And it just says, I will break you. And Rainbow Rowell is the second kind of author. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it is very much... Like, if you were reading a fanfic, it would be like, hashtag angst, hashtag hurt, no comfort. People just crying in the comments consistently. Yeah, this is the only, I mean, I haven't read all of her books, but this is the only book of hers that I've read that ends on a nice note. 
like that doesn't end with you feeling just awful yes i (laughs) i feel sad that she's like such an incredible writer and also like i don't ever want to revisit her books because they don't the reason i only read fantasy is because like i want an escape from reality and part of that is things ending with like at least the potential for things to be well right i don't want an epilogue we know how i feel about terrible epilogues but like the end of harry potter it's like okay you know if we stop right here things are on a good note and we won the war and whatever she doesn't believe in that she likes the ending to feel like a twist of the knife and yeah that hurts me (laughs) i'm like deeply curious to see how the third book ends considering some of the tweets she's been responding to where I'm kind of like, I don't like feel like I don't know how to prepare myself <laughs> because I will be one of those people where it's like, I swear to God, <laughs> swear to God, rip Yep. If my boys don't get a happy ending, <laughs> happy ish ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no like solid resolution at the end of this book, but at least it's like, cute you know right cute we're all going to college got a little flat and like still dating yeah baz is drinking like a fucking (laughs) unicorn frappuccino (laughs) like it's great great give me give me this this is what i need yeah if you have to kill eb at least give me this ending so exactly yeah yeah (sighs) Yeah, this is why I've started, like, reading spoilers for shows where I'm, like, normally I'm, like, don't tell me anything. And now I'm, like, tell me all the upsetting things so I'm not deeply upset when they happen. (laughs) Yeah. And also a reason to read romance novels because I'm, like, oh, the ending is going to be happy. And I'm, like. (laughs) Just only check tingle books from here on out. (laughs) And there are enough of them. So. This is true. I have read some not Chuck Tingle romance novels that I'm like, okay, let me get some cute queer YA romance here, here for it. I'm just a Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we talk about ways that you can support the podcast this week. I'm just gonna put out there that if you want to make a monetary contribution, but a monthly Patreon pledge isn't sustainable for you, there are three ways that you can do a one-time donation to support the work. Uh, We are on both PayPal and Venmo at The Gaily Profit. And also, if you go to our website, thegailyprofit.com, there is a button that says make a donation. And that also is a way that you can can do that if you can't financially support us just listening is a wonderful way to do so as well please don't feel obligated at all welcome to send shivers down my spine where we talk about sexy stuff there is some excellent sexy stuff in these in these chapters. Uh-huh. I guess I'll start I guess I could start off with just the ways that Simon can now just distract Baz with like a little bit of hand holding and a little bit of 
idly rubbing his stomach and just like it's like very tender but also like very understatedly hot <laughs> mm-hmm. that that new relationship thing where it's like every part of you is like just nerve endings when it comes to the physical contact with your crush slash new person it's like yeah right like normally someone just like touching your stomach is like okay whatever but like all of a sudden it's your stomach is like the most intimate body part you've ever possessed (laughs) just like oh my god right it's like oh i didn't even realize how many erogenous zones a body has (laughs) yeah that is actually exactly what i wrote down (laughs) (laughs) where every part of you is suddenly an erogenous zone yeah so uh again just reading an incredible passage snow kissed me last night until my mouth was sore he kissed me so much i was worried i'd turn him with all my saliva he held himself up on all fours above me and made me reach up for his mouth and i did i would again i'd cross every line for him i'm in love with him and he likes this better than fighting so good so hot like the bit about him like like simon being above baths it's like you can see it so clearly and it's it's a very straightforward sentence but you're like it's like mind like meltingly hot it is it's also just so rude that we only get this as a flashback truly truly is (laughs) if you have written this fanfic please email it to me. I I need it. If you've read it, if it's out there, I just, I need, I need someone who's really good at mirroring Rainbow Rowell's writing to give me this scene in present tense. If you want to write it yourself and send it to us. I wish we could do a dramatic reading, but I think, I mean, probably. I'll post it on Patreon. Yeah, I don't think I've ever, I've read this book so many times, I don't think I've ever gotten past this, this passage without, like, getting chills. It's so good. It's so good. These boys are so happy. (laughs) I mean, not happy, but, like, it's so great. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) I just love the moment where Simon, like, parenthetically is like, I maybe could have stopped Bass from killing himself in another way. Moving on. <laughs> it's so great. Because it's like, yes, you could have, but <laughs> why would you, number one? Number two, it definitely would not have been as fun and, and rewarding as just making out with him. And then yeah. going back to his house to make out with him like all night. So, you know, everyone wins here, Simon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we move on, we have this week's Kiss Kill Improvise. Slim slim pickings in this chapter, but Baz's dad, Baz's stepmom, pagan yuletide Father Christmas. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Uh yeah, great. Um Definitely improvising with Baz's dad, who we will learn in the next chapter, I think, looks like a pit viper in a suit. Okay. Here for it. (laughs) 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 
gonna be kissing with Father Christmas for sure. And Faz's no personality stepmom is gonna have to go. Sorry, Daphne. That's that's legit. That one was way easier than last time. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I feel like I actually was not sure what you're gonna pick, so I'm still pleasantly surprised. Awesome. <laughs> I feel like kissing Father Christmas would be such a, like, by, just by default, like, the most romantic thing that could happen. Right. Listen, Eartha Kitt made it sound awesome as hell, so. <laughs> yes. And if you have not heard the Eartha Kitt version of Santa Baby, do yourself a favor if you want to hear the most horny version of that song created, <laughs> which I appreciate. So, hell yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time we will be reading chapters 66 and 67. So get prepared for that. This podcast is a creation of Hashtag Ruthless Productions, and if you like it, you should check out our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet, where we talk about Harry Potter, and uh, it is produced, mixed, and edited by me. You can also find us on the Information Superhighway <laughs> on our website, uh, The Gaily Prophet, on Twitter, at The Gaily Prophet, and also on Instagram, at The Gaily Prophet. We're pretty easy to find that way. I can be found on Instagram at Lark Malachi or on my website, which is LarkMalachi.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at Live from Detroit. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music in our theme song is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen and... Until next time, Scott-a-moosh. Scott-a-moosh.